I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Curzon Cinemas podcast. This week we will be discussing Oliver Stone's biopic of Edward Snowden, Snowden. I'm Sam Howlett and this week I'm joined by Jenna Hobbs Hi. and Jake Cunningham. Hi, yeah. Uh, later on in the show we will have an interview with uh, the star of Snowden, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Hi, this is Jake from the Curzon Film Podcast, rudely interrupting Sam's beautiful introduction there. To give you some sad news, unfortunately... Due to some unforeseen circumstances, we are unable to broadcast our interview with Joseph Gordon-Levitt for Snowden this week. Uh, We do discuss the interview through the show, so hopefully you'll get some idea of what we discussed. But you can be rest assured that Mr. Gordon-Levitt was on fine form, and he discussed the personal inflections that he had on the role that actually brought comments from Edward Snowden's parents about how much of that character he really took on, even down just to the intimacies of the face and voice that they really picked up on, even as Snowden's parents. He also made it quite clear that in a post-election viewing of the film, how important it is that we are aware of the footprint that we have with our online presence and how aware we need to be of the decisions we make online. So just to do a quick introduction, Snowden is the true life story of Edward Snowden, an NSA surveillance, surveillance analyst, analyst, yeah, who uh, very famously publicly leaked files from the NSA revealing that the US government had uh, surveillance and information on everyone. Uh, and it's a huge scandal, and so yeah, this is Oliver Stone's retelling of that story. Um, but one of the biggest uh, talking points about Edward Snowden is should he be pardoned? Because currently he's a wanted man; he's living in Russia, and there's this huge thing of should he be pardoned, and will a few years down the line will he be pardoned in his lifetime, in our lifetime? So my opening question for you two is: which actor should be pardoned for a bad role throughout their career? Uh, Jake, let's start with you. Okay, so this one took me a while because now we have so many iconic actors that have kind of done that Robert De Niro. And I thought, (laughs) I'll just do like the Robert De Niro, Al Pacino thing. I'll just pick one from there. But then I realised I could pardon one, but then there's (laughs) 
an infinite number of other ones. Yeah. And then, uh, so this week I watched uh, A Winter's Tale <laughs> with Colin Farrell, which is really excellent. Do check it out. Um, but that is, that's horrendous. And I thought maybe I should pardon him for that. But then I went on Colin Farrell's filmography and that's that's not wonderful really <laughs> uh, so again I think if I just, if I pardoned him that then there's where's the line yeah exactly so you're looking for a, an actor that's generally good yeah that's just made a few mistakes yeah okay. and so what I'm going for is someone that I think is relatively consistently good yeah but they've got a blunder and I'm going for Kate Blanchett mm. in Indiana Jones and the okay. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull awful Russian accent um, <laughs> she I think mean, Kate Blanchett she deserves better I was reminded this week of Carol and because yeah. it's getting Christmassy and I, I just think she's she is so good in so many things there were some stills coming out from uh, Oceans 8 or Oceans Ocho and she looks she looks like she could totally lead that she's got so much charisma and she could handle so many different roles and I just think she was wasted in think not even wasted, but I'm not quite sure what she was trying to do or what the film was trying to do in that respect. But I would like to pardon her for that. So why do you forgive her for that? Because she's because she's, she's so good uh, elsewhere. Exactly. That everyone's allowed one bad one. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. You're going down um, that route. All right. Everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. Correct. Jenna. I'm following Jake on an accent front. I think. Okay. Um, although Jake's just reminded me of Al Pacino and Daddy Collins, which I think needs to be pardoned and wiped off. I the... thought that was your favourite film. <laughs> oh yeah. Hey baby <laughs> girl, what's going on? Why do we know that? <laughs> because it's the same. I haven't even Sweet seen Caroline. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I'm going back to my original thought. I want to pardon, and we can debate whether or not her whole career is a little touch and go. But Anne Hathaway. For one day, which oh yeah, okay, was so unbelievably awful. Her Yorkshire accent is probably one of the worst assaults my ears have received. And I think generally she's very good. I loved her in Les Mis. I've loved her in all sorts of other things. But that film needs to go. Yeah, have I mean, you guys seen it? It's not your genre. Not really <laughs> I haven't genre. seen it, but I'm familiar with yeah, her bad accent. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've watched. Clips of the accent. <laughs> yeah. So I think that tells us that it's it's, it's fair pardon. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to pardon her for a scene in Interstellar, which yeah. talks about the power of love. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst scene in that film by a long shot. Yeah, which is a film I really like, but that that scene has nowhere, has no place in that film. Yeah. I couldn't decide between two, so I'm going to be greedy and have two. Sorry, it's just it's like okay. you on Christmas, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas after all. We're allowed to be indulgent. Um. My first choice is links back to both of yours, actually. You mentioned New York Winter's Tale earlier. You mentioned uh, Anne Hathaway in Les Mis. It's Russell Crowe. It's Russell Crowe. <laughs> it's Russell Crowe in Les Mis, Rob. He is a very, very, very bad singer. Yes. In a film where he constantly sings. So that pairing, I don't know what they were thinking. Why would you hire an actor <laughs> who can't sing for an entirely singing role? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, but... I watched Gladiator again this morning and really, really enjoyed it. You don't like it. Yeah, I think I think Gladiator's really, really cheesy. Yeah. Um, I really like Gladiator. I love Gladiator. And it just reminded me that I quite like Russell Crowe. I thought, yeah, he's good in this and he's really good in LA Confidential. 
and I thought I can forgive him for trying something different in Les Mis. Okay. It didn't work at all. It <laughs> he didn't went work out of his comfort whatsoever. zone. I've got to stop you there. <laughs> yeah. Because neither of you have, have watched seen. a New York Winter's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Russell Crowe, I mean, if you're saying Les Mis is Russell Crowe trying something different, yeah. I don't know what he's doing in a New York Winter's Tale. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, he plays a demon? He is a demon Irish gangster working for Will Smith's Satan. Wow. So, <laughs> can I have no idea what this film's about? Could you give me a very quick synopsis? I don't. I don't think I could. But um, <laughs> it's based on a book that's about two thousand pages or something, isn't okay. it? Okay. In the early twentieth century, New York, he falls in love with a girl whilst he's like gone to rob her house, and she offers him a cup of tea, and they fall in love, and Russell Crowe works for the devil and so his job is to stop miracles from happening and he raised Colin Farrell <laughs> uh, and Colin Farrell's fallen in love and Russell Crowe thinks that this is his miracle and so Russell Crowe is determined to stop that uh, but also it happens in 2016 and Colin Farrell's still there <laughs> and there's some other stuff with Jennifer Connelly and the whole thing <laughs> is absolutely astonishing. I and think I'd like it. I, I have already agreed to watch it again before Christmas and I only watched it for the first time like two days ago I can't wait to watch it again <laughs> with a group of people because it is amazing and my girlfriend kept falling asleep throughout and it is the most brilliant film for when people wake up after they've been napping for five minutes and you suddenly realise how insane it is <laughs> and you have to try to explain what has just happened <laughs> Uh, so there we go. Russell Crowe and Les Mis. Who was uh, your second one? Um, oh, yeah. Sorry, Sam. It's all right. Um, Eddie Redmayne in Jupiter Ascending. I was just about to mention Jupiter Ascending for a mad film. That is mad, and he's awful in it. Like, that was just after the Oscar as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's truly awful in it. But again, this, I think any actor would pick up on that and play a villain in an, over, an OTT sci-fi film directed by the Wachowskis. So I think you can forgive him for trying that. But he is god-awful. Uh, if you watch it on YouTube, some the like a compilation of Eddie Redmayne scenes from Jupiter Ascending, you see what I mean. It's really, really bad, but he's having fun. Yeah, that's the main thing. That's the main thing about that's acting, isn't it? Yeah. Jenna, you do drama stuff. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, it's all about the fun. It's all about the fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Excellent. And we all know if you have fun on a film set, the film's going to be great. Yeah. That's the rule, isn't hey, it? Hey, if yeah. you're getting paid that much for it, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so speaking of pardoning people, there's a huge campaign out there to pardon Edward Snowden. Um, and I suppose we'll get into the kind of should he or shouldn't he, uh, the message of the film and what the sort of general consensus is about that a bit later on and yeah. how the film presents that kind of uh, debate. It's pretty cold out there. I think we're about to get snowed in. Oh. Mm-hmm. tastic Excellent. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, so yeah, Snowden, True Love biopic of Edward Snowden. How important do you think it is that this film exists, telling this story in the way it does? It's not something I looked into before this film. So I think because of that, obviously it is important because this is a huge, big topic yeah. that's affecting everyone. And it's something I just decided to opt out of when it was on the news, really. And I probably shouldn't have. So I'm glad it's brought it all to my attention. Yeah, I think uh, we touched, we talk about that in the interview there yeah. about the role of this film to make this story accessible. That people know the name Edward Snowden, but they might not know why they know that name. And I think this 
film gives people a gateway into that story. And I think that is what the film is trying to achieve. Yeah, definitely. So I've seen the documentary Citizen Four. The film kind of jumps back between two different time periods, mm-hmm. which is Ed Snowden after he's released the files and it's hiding in a Hong Kong hotel room and Ed Snowden before this all happened and building up to that. Uh, the documentary Citizen Four is made by Laura... Laura Proitas. Laura Proitas, played by Melissa Leo in the film. Um, so it's all the stuff in the... Ho- the Citizen Four is basically all the scenes in the hotel room. Okay. And as that's happening. Uh, but that's pretty much solidly is just that. And it's very uh, limited to that. And it's film really about Ed Snowden. It's more about the surveillance industry and about this the actual concept of this whole the NSA surveillance. Whereas this is, as you say, a more accessible story about a man, a yeah. human being, a human being behind <laughs> that story. As you said, people know the name Snowden. They know that there was the Snowden incident and that there is a man called Snowden out there, but they don't know anything about him. This is telling that story. So... And when this film was announced, I thought, oh, God, they're just... This is pointless. They're remaking a documentary that was released two or three years ago. And the same thing happened with um, The Walk. Yeah, I think uh, The Walk had a bit more time gap. Like there was, yeah. a, I think, ten years between... Uh, Man and Wire. Yeah, yeah, or was it... I think it might have been 2006. Okay. So maybe eight or nine years. But between... Yeah, but this... As you said, yeah, yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's carving a niche there, definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I was worried that it was going to have the same thing, that just a sort of slightly pointless remake. But I think this tells a different story in in overall. Mm. So I think these two films can peacefully coexist. Um, yeah. yeah, and it is accessible, and it is. I think it's important it's made that way, so that people, as we said, who don't know enough about this, will get the opportunity. Yeah, um, I think. When you're gauging a, a film's success, I think you can look at how much you take out of the cinema with you. Uh, we talk so much about, oh, we'll watch this film, mm. and then uh, in two weeks you probably mm-hmm. couldn't, couldn't remember the main character's name. And then in a year you can't even remember, you might stick it on and think you've never seen it before. Like, it's that forgettable. But this, I watched it, and then it actually, it really sticks with you and actually makes you take effect on yeah. your own life. and actually makes you think about what you're doing and the presence you have on the internet yeah it's really scary it was made because i've kind of heard about you know phone hacking and this and that but i've always thought oh i'm not very interesting there's no i've not got anything to hide there's no way you know if someone wants to read my messages whatever what will they find but the thought of having camera your camera turn on and watch you when you're in your bedroom or very creepy so strange yeah i know a few people that have their web uh, webcam Laptop cameras taped up. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the head of the NSA has his laptop covered, and mm. uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, CEO of Facebook, has his uh, webcam covered as well. I've always been like you. I've always thought they can watch me if they want. I'm not doing anything particularly yeah. interesting. But that's such a bad. I know. They yeah. even talk about that in the film. Like um, that, if you've got nothing to fear, you've got nothing to hide. Yeah, because yeah. his that, girlfriend that, kind of thinks that. Yeah, he says that's not the point. It's yeah. the it's the principle. Yeah. It's the fact that yeah. Yeah, so it has made me think a bit about that. And, like, the fact that we've had, you know, like, WhatsApp is now encrypted and things like this, which I kind of hadn't thought of. I was like, oh, right, okay. But now I feel kind of grateful that WhatsApp's encrypted itself. Or, like, if you're looking up slippers on Amazon and then you're on Facebook and on the side, adverts for slippers appear. Like, okay. So that explains your cupboard full of slippers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No one's supposed to know, but now the NSA know. Yeah. (laughs) 
This is between you, me, the NSA, and Marks and Spencers. I can't afford Marks and Spencer slippers. So, um, yeah, I think it's an important film to highlight that this is happening. Mm-hmm. And that it it's actually impacts everyone, as you said. Everyone uses the, a smartphone now. Everyone uses a laptop. Yeah, there's an interesting bit at some point in the film where they talk about um, that's the price you pay for wanting to live in a digital world, and yeah. should it be the price you pay? Yeah. Um, yeah, and we just—I think we're living more and more of our lives online, mm. like our, like our bank accounts are on your phone now, and all of that kind of thing. That yeah, just scary. We're completely devo- online. Yeah. Everything's online, but. And you, we think, oh, that's so convenient. That's so handy. That's yeah. made our lives easier. But when you see a film like this, what? Yeah, what's the price we've actually paid for mm-hmm. that? Yeah, and it makes me think of the actual uh, filmmaking process that Stone would have gone through. Mm. I wonder how secure his, I don't know, his set or when he was trans- yeah. like, transferring files around, like how, <laughs> like. If he's I got wonder, loads of microwaves, he's yeah, putting stuff in. <laughs> like, I wonder how paranoid that set must be. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about where the film positions uh, Snowden, where it positions us watching this film about Snowden, and where, what position Oliver Stone falls to. Because I think this film very heavily lies on Edward Snowden as a hero. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. do you think that was the right direction for this film? Should it have made a very active, very conscious decision to align itself to a uh, position on Snowden? Or should it? do you think you would have rather it play, been a bit more in the middle, been a bit more even-handed. What do you think? Because I think for us, people of our age and of our frame of mind. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ed Stone did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Am I right in saying that, you think? Yeah, of course. But there is obviously a large group of people out there who think Ed Snowden is a traitor, is has done has committed a huge crime and has potentially endangered a lot of people's lives. Yeah. I think, um, which the film doesn't yeah, go I, into as much. I think the film could have done with moments of justification for that side. Yeah. Rather than just being completely on this one side. Because yeah. we do the people that we see that have those opinions are just yeah. it immediately, oh, you're a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's it, a, the demonization of the right yeah. is what this film does. It would be nice to have someone say these things and then be challenged on it and there to be some kind of discourse about yeah. it. But there isn't at all, really. 
I don't know. I I mean, yes, I, I do think what he did was the right thing and he's obviously paid a very heavy price for yeah. it. I know there's also another camp where it's like, oh, has he done it for the fame? Because he put he made himself public and who he was and he gives loads of interviews and loads of talks and things. But I don't th- I'm, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I think there's this whole... Yeah, so the people you hear in the film that are against it, Donald Trump is one of them. Mm-hmm. It's a very conscious choice to have him, mm. to have a quote from him. But then also... Obama's in there. Yeah. Obama's incredibly yeah. popular president. And I think people don't talk enough about the fact that this is Obama's administration that was doing this. Yeah. yeah. So it does, I mean, yeah, we say it's quite uneven in that respect, but I think there are little moments of even-handedness. Yeah, I think it, it could have done with more, Yeah, but I'm okay with where it did yeah. position itself. So am I. I think my problem with film, a lot of films these days, is they're too scared to make a judgment call on yeah. these things. Mm. So um, we talked about this with I Daniel Blake, and that it had that standpoint. But I'm glad that it had that standpoint, yeah. and it was it was firmly in its corner, and it was fighting its battle. And yeah. I'm glad this is doing the same. It's not trying to please everyone. Yeah. Um, I think um, it's a weird weird example, but but Clint Eastwood's J Edgar, it trod a line between good guy bad guy, left wing white wing, and it is a kind of bit of a mess because it's just trying to please everyone, mm. Mm. and that's sort of a general problem with problem there's a general problem with a lot of hollywood films is that they have to please everyone everyone has to be happy if we miss out on any kind of audience we're doomed so i think the film is kind of brave and that's sort of what oliver stone's always done is he's been very politically minded and he's not that's not uh, calmed down throughout his career at all and this just proves that he's still fighting for that side of what he thinks is right mm. um so there are going to be a lot of people who perhaps think edward snowden shouldn't be pardoned and is a traitor mm-hmm um, that may not be as inclined to see this film because of that, but I think it's the right call to make, yeah. to pick a side. Do you think, if you do think that and you watch this film, you might change your mind? or do you? Um, or, I think or, potentially. Yeah, yeah, I think potentially. Yeah. yeah, I think it manages to bring, the, like, even the idea of the NSA and the surveillance thing, it's such, it's a distant idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This kind of thing is maintained by politicians to be quite distant and confusing. Like this is like what well, the big short covered with the financial crisis. Yeah. They use complicated things so that the yeah. public can't really access yeah. the, those ideas. And I think Snowden does that really well, taking these big international global ideas, humanizing them, taking them down to a ground level so that we can, or we, the general public, have access to it. Yeah. And we can understand it. Yeah. And also... They really emphasised the point that Edward Snowden was a Republican, was a soldier, and turned to this whole idea of protecting American values after 9-11, mm-hmm. which is quite sort of, I guess, a right-wing mind frame, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Uh, but they don't shy away from that. And then, he's asked so often, do you love America? Yeah. Do you think America's the greatest country in the world? Like on a lie detector, mm. and it's always coming through with, yes, he does. So yeah. they're trying to hammer that point that he is a true patriot. He's not this kind of crazy left activist he's not a full-on liberal he is a complicated character he has his own opinions he has his own convictions and what he's doing isn't particularly politically minded i think it's important yeah he's doing it out of right and wrong rather than left and right yeah and i think this is an important time to talk about joseph gordon levitt's performance because i think he really sells that yeah and I he think, sells the film to you i think he's really excellent in this only for the first few minutes was i thinking this is an impression Yes, yeah. Before I I lost myself to it and I was mm. fine. Um, and I, I'd stopped seeing Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. I think he's one of the strongest parts of the film, most definitely. Mm-hmm. He makes looking at a computer look interesting. 
yes. and yeah. <laughs> sells that's, that very well. Oh, that's such a that's such a cliche, isn't it? With these computer technology led films, yeah. That, yeah. That there's so much of trying to make people at a keyboard look interesting. <laughs> yeah. But the way he uses his face, he like it's only very minor shifts, but you can really feel what he's feeling at those points, and he's just looking at the screen. Yeah, I think he must have done a lot of research into it. I think he did, and from what uh, the interview sounded like, he sounds like he's really interested in this as a subject. This isn't just a job for him. He really has dived into the world of Edward Snowden, um, and he really looks like him. Yeah. Like, really looks like him. And that's kind of a vain point. It doesn't really matter, but... when he, you believe, he, though. He first, when he first came on screen, I thought, oh, my God, I didn't think he'd look like that at all. Mm. He's the spit image of Ed Snowden. Mm. And uh, the multiple shifting glasses yes. was a nice touch, because I don't own glasses, but I've heard from people that do wear glasses... Oh, you go through so many glasses throughout your lifetime. It's yeah. unreal. And I think the the glasses really work for me <laughs> to keep track of what time frame. Yeah, yeah. Things are in. it's like a it's like a time code. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a really neat way of doing mm-hmm. it. I could just imagine if they were shooting different time zones on different days. I could just imagine that they shoot a whole scene and then like some uh, continuity person would just go, "Oh God." <laughs> We're shooting with the 2003 glasses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's quickly talk about some of the supporting characters in the film. Nicholas Cage. Nick Cage. Out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, blindsided. Yeah. A wild cage appears. Uh, this was one of the, uh, <laughs> the moments of the film that didn't quite work for me. Uh, I loved it. I know <laughs> you loved it. I love Nick Cage. But why would you put Nick Cage in, like, two scenes... Well, I, it, and it's not, not even a cameo. It's, it's just, beyond a cameo, but it's not a leading role. It was very confusing. But that is like Oliver Stone has done that before. Like in JFK, the supporting cast is there's lots of big names there. Yeah, and they might not necessarily have a big role. I think Risa Farns is the only supporting person that's a big actor that kind of gets some meatiness. Yeah, you've got like uh, Melissa Leo we mentioned, Zachary Quinto, Tom um, Wilkinson. Wilkinson um, Shailene Woodley. Shailene Woodley. And that is a supporting role. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Jolie Richardson. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you've got a lot of supporting g- actors here in minor roles, but just the fact that it's Nick Cage. I think it's because... Uh, it's because it's Nick Cage. Yeah, that's it. That's why we notice it. Yeah. I, I think I, he'll be nominated for an Oscar for yeah. it. Like, it's not like the other ones. I just read, oh, it's Tom, <laughs> Tom Wilkinson. Oh, my God. It's a wild <laughs> Tom Wilkinson. <laughs> He's so crazy. <laughs> I enjoyed The Cage, and uh, I always enjoy The Cage. Me too. <laughs> it's fine for me. Okay. Um, I enjoyed Risa Farns. I enjoyed Risa yeah, Farns. He was, he was uh, yeah, sneery villain, and I particularly enjoyed the scene where he's a giant head. Yeah. Yes, it had this kind great. of 1984 Big Brother feel to it. Yeah, and it's so not subtle. It's not subtle, that's but... That's what I really like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the subtlety has never been Oliver Stone's uh, thing. And I suppose when you're doing an angry political message, you don't want subtlety. Mm. Um, and there are some scenes that are very unsubtle, like when he... We can't really spoil this film because it's real life. But when he gets the file out of the NSA, yes. a big bright white light shines on him as he smiles. Yeah. I mean, that's the least subtle thing ever. Yeah. But it does work in the film because mm. it's painting him as a heroic figure. And it's not, it's not trying to hide that. Yeah. Oh, and you've got other Logan Marshall Green, aka not Tom Hardy. Yeah, the guy from Prometheus. <laughs> yeah, he was in two shots. Yeah, and yeah, um, Tim- Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, as the uh, field agent. It's all held together. It is by yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes. Yeah. And 
I think he the moments I don't, I couldn't get along with any of the other characters whilst he's not there, mm. and he kind of elevates it, and he makes it believable because his performance you can feel him losing himself into it and I think he needs to be there the amount that he's committed to the role you need it to mm. be that have gone that far otherwise it might just feel like this is a glorified reconstruction yeah I agree with you definitely what did you guys think about the relationship between um, oh, I've forgotten his wife's name oh girlfriend's Lin- name Lindsay. Lindsay that's right did you think it was necessary to show that within the um, film yeah, because I think they needed to show the burden and what he has how had big to, is sacrifice how was. how this has fe- affected not just him. Yeah, I think it needed to be there. I don't think it was handled in the best way. Yeah. No, most of the time you see them arguing together mm-hmm. rather than being in a more an actual loving relationship. And I think we needed just a few more scenes to really yeah. enforce the fact that they are a very loving couple as they are in real life. Yeah. I think that's the tricky thing, isn't it? When you do something that's quite episodic and, and such a big time frame, you kind of stick with, I suppose, the big moments and you lose the little details that make yeah. a couple yeah. seem believable they, and happy. They need to keep the bits in that will keep the plot making sense. <laughs> yeah. And that, that does mean stripping what makes up characters. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I, they, needed to, they needed to show the strain it had on the couple. But I think one or two more scenes of them. Yeah, I agree. Showing what I they're giving up. More of it. Yeah, because mm. I think Shailene Woodley is a good actress. Yeah, I like yeah, her. Yeah, she's just yeah. been lumbered a bit mm. recently. She's great in The Descendants. Mm. Um, but yeah, she needs something to really propel her. Yeah. Um, like this could have been potentially that supporting role biopic. Yeah. yeah. That's like that, that on is paper. Your, that's your standard Oscar fodder. Um, but just didn't quite hit the mark in this. I think uh, the only the only actor that's really going to be coming out of this one that can truly hold a head high is Joseph yeah yeah yeah. well it's a film about his character his character's in the name that's kind of natural I think that it's all about him not in a kind of narcissistic way I think it's supposed to be all about him and every single other character as we said is a supporting role Mm. rather than a Mm co-lead so I think that's important okay so we're going to go into spoiler territory now I mean we have said it's hard you can't really spoil this film but there are a few things that it would be nicer not to know before going in so if you haven't seen the film and want to go in completely fresh uh, stop listening now and go and see Snowden Um, but if you have seen Snowden and want to know a little bit more about what we think stick with us so we spoke about the relationship between Lindsay and Ed Snowden just now and the documentary ends with Edward Snowden reaching Moscow and he's in his house there the camera's watching them from afar and you see Lindsay go up behind him and, and sort of help and make pasta with him and it says on screen and Lindsay went with him and now lives there with him and it's just this really nice moment showing you that even throughout everything that he's done she stuck with him She's living in exile with him, away from her family, away from her country, away from her friends. She's kind of a collaborator in that sense. And that was a really nice moment. And in the film, in the Snowden film, you just... I just don't think you get that sense of mm. what she gives up as well. Yeah. Because the way the film ends, which didn't entirely work for me... With the real With the Snowden. real Snowden. I wasn't uh, convinced by that because I think we've watched... Joseph Gordon-Levitt and the film should end with Joseph Gordon-Levitt he's the I know he's not actually Snowden and the film is all about Snowden but I just think we needed more um, closure do you think I, I like the idea of it but yeah. I want I wanted 
the Gordon Levitt Snowden to get his bow. Like it's like he doesn't exactly. Get his... yeah. He doesn't get his final scene. He doesn't yeah. finish his own film. Yeah. And like the do- way documentarians, why didn't I'd love to have seen Shailene Woodley physically go to Moscow with Joseph Gordon-Levitt mm. Snowden and show that because their relationship feels unfinished. Yeah. The way it ends. Yeah. So what did you guys think about? That? I think this is the biggest spoiler of the film, and this was the biggest surprise to me. What that he actually comes the, out. The film transitions to Joseph Gordon-Levitt talking to become the actual Edward Snowden and that Edward Snowden participated in this film about him. It really threw me. Uh, I was really in it, really invested. And I think by the time you've got to that point, you've taken on a lot of information. You truly have to believe uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Snowden. And it just threw me. And I think, consequently, I didn't really listen to the last points that Snowden made properly. So it's it's almost a reverse from the start of the film of trying to believe Gordon-Levitt is him. And in that time, you're kind of just looking at a person doing a caricature or yes, something. And yeah. that's all you're thinking about rather than the performance. And then in this sense, the actual person coming in who we've been trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Been trying they've been trying to convince us, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Snowden. Trust us, you're yeah. watching Snowden. And then to turn that on its head is a strange decision. I get why they've done it. And it's an interesting way to end the film. I actually liked it. It's quite. It's, it's something quite nice about it. Yeah, That I, he is still around, that he's... Uh, he still has the same views he doesn't regret what he's done he knows what he's done is good and he's happy to participate in a film about him but it just doesn't quite work for me on a sort of as as a viewer I don't think it was just the shot the one particular shot the transition between Mm. Gordon-Levitt and Snowden I think it was it was like it was a close up and it was too big Mm. and Mm. the difference was so obvious and that kind of threw me but I really really like the idea of it because I think like even just his Twitter picture, his, his face is so well known. Yeah, uh, it's just it's like an old style wanted thing mm. that you might see on the side yeah. of a saloon. And again, it's that idea of humanizing something that people are very distant from, and people have literally only seen this guy's face. If they haven't seen Citizen Four, they've never heard him speak mm. or anything like that. And he gets the big important points in at the end of the film, and I think. For that reason, it's important that it comes from the man himself. It's audacious and it's brave. It didn't work for me, but I I get why they've done it. It is a really brave way to end a film. Can you? I can't think of any other biopic that ends with their the character, the actor transitioning to the actual person. Mm. And I think it's because in this instance, the biopic is someone young. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. Uh, we're going to have to wrap up there. Uh, but very quickly, Citizen 4 is available on Curzon Home Cinema. So do check that out once you've seen Snowden. It's a really nice companion piece. And I think they work really well together. And uh, also available is uh, Chirac and uh, Unknown Girl, last week's films, which you can catch up on on last week's podcast. Yep. And uh, do make sure you tune in to our European Film Awards special, which will be coming out shortly. We'll be heading over to Poland to uh, tweet live the results as they're coming in. So uh, make sure you follow Curzon Home Cinema on Twitter. That's me and Sam. We'll be live tweeting that and doing a roundup podcast with all the nominations and the winners from that evening. So make sure you get ready for that, which will be coming later this week. Excellent. So uh, that's goodbye from Jake. Goodbye. Goodbye from Jenna. Bye. Goodbye from me. Tape over your webcams, people.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.